Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. If you would, take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Acts as we continue to unpack this great book. Acts chapter 20, we'll be looking at verses 17 through 38. read it with you. Before we do, I want to encourage you again, if you uh, if you didn't know, this Thursday at 7 p.m., it'll be an hour long, is our Tenebrae service, or Monday Thursday service. I want to encourage you to carve out some time, carve out that hour, and come join us uh, Thursday at 7 o'clock. It's, uh, it's, it has become one of my favorite services of the year, um, Christmas Eve, and then Monday Thursday, they're really close. And, uh, and so I, I look forward to that and hope that you'll join us. If you have your Bible there with me, would you read along? And then uh, I'll read this whole section, and then we'll take it piece by piece and kind of break it down and unpack it. Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38. It says, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. When they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold... I know that none of you among whom I have gone out proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among those, from among your own selves will arise men, speaking twisted things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified." I covet no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. 
and they accompanied him to the ship. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the opportunity to dig into this section where uh, Dr. Luke has recorded for us um, this, this farewell speech by Paul. And I pray, Lord, that you would use it in our minds and in our hearts to draw us closer to you and to one another. Help us to not leave here the same people. Help us to leave here changed and different because we've had an encounter with the true and living God in your word. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the Christ, our Savior, our King. Amen. So we see this section um, that Dr. Luke records for us. It's one of the longest sections that we see in the book of Acts where, um, where Paul is actually giving a speech where he's very word for word. So Dr. Luke probably was an eyewitness here. Um, because of the way it's structured and the detail of it. I don't think this is Luke getting this from someone else. I think this is Luke getting it straight from being witness to what, to what uh, Paul is saying. Um, part of it is, too, we see the word us and we a lot in, the, in chapter 20 before this. And then we see it in that first word or the first verse of 21. It says, and when we... Um, we had parted. So I think Luke is there. He has witnessed this. He's seeing this. He's hearing this. And he gives us a really good description of what Paul is doing. Well, what's Paul doing? Paul has gathered all of the leadership from the church in Ephesus. Okay, so the, the church that, had, that Paul had gone and shared and testified of the goodness of God and bringing salvation through Jesus Christ both to the Jew and also to the Gentile. Paul has asked those leaders to come down, and so they travel down south, and they meet with Paul, and, uh, and he wants to give them a farewell speech, a, a final word. And, uh, and I kind of labeled this sermon the sorrow-filled final challenge. And, and, and we see that sorrow at the very end of this passage, right, where they're just weeping. Um, they're, they're, they're mourning in such a way that you can see just by doc, how Dr. Luke explains it, there is, there is great, great sorrow. And they're sorrowful, and Luke tells us why, ultimately because of the word that Paul had spoken to them in this speech, that they would no longer see him face to face. So the reality that this spiritual giant man who brought faith to them, the gospel message, they were no longer going to be able to see again face-to-face. -face. That's hard, right? Any of you who have ever said goodbye to somebody knowing that you will never see them again, that's really, really difficult. And yet, uh, and yet usually when, when we say our goodbyes, we kind of are right there on the edge listening for those final words. And I think we can do that here, listening for what is Paul really saying? What is he, what's his word that he wants them to get? And so I want to walk through this passage with you. We'll start in verse 17. So he sent for the elders of the church in Ephesus. And, uh, and it says, when they came. So Paul sent and they listened. Um, they came. And then Paul said this. And it's very, again, uh, the, the wording is I. He uses that over and over again. I lived among you. So Paul was with them. He, he knew them. 
it wasn't just a, a far relationship, a long-distance relationship. No, Paul says, listen, I, I lived among you. Uh, I was serving the Lord with humility, all right, without arrogance. I, I love that word, serving the Lord. Ultimately, it means he was slave to the Lord. There's a lot of connotations today to that word slave. But let me tell you, to be slave to the Lord is a great thing. There's nothing better than for us to say that I am a slave to the Lord. He says, I, am, I serve the Lord. So I was slave to the Lord in what? Humility. Paul says this um, in his letters. What, what we see in his letters as he writes uh, to the Thessalonians and even to uh, the church in Ephesus, what he'll write to Timothy, some of those same things that he is writing in his letters, we see here, which gives us kind of, it's kind of like a proof that, that as we read what Paul is saying here from Dr. Luke's vantage point, actually reads very closely to his letters that we have to the other churches and individuals. And so it helps us as we compare those to say, you know what? This is probably from the same man that as Paul spoke here, so his writings uh, are very, very similar. And so it gives credit to that. Uh, you know, there's some who have asked me, some of my friends outside of the church here, um, who have asked about, well, how do you know that the Bible is what it really is supposed to be? What about some of these other letters or some of these other other texts? How, how come we don't know? Well, Here's an example. Some of those lost letters that aren't part of the Bible, um, they don't read the same. And, and so it becomes very clear. While that may be attributed to Paul, that is not Pauline because it doesn't read the same. Just as you probably know, and, and you hopefully you know this, I speak a certain way. And when you get a letter from me or when you hear me speak, you know, that's Pastor Aaron. And so if you get a letter that doesn't read like me, like I would be saying it, you probably are like, okay, who came up with that letter? Because that's not from him, right? It didn't have some made-up word. This is definitely from Paul. Paul says, I came with my tears. And he said, also, there was trials from the plots of the Jews. There was testing. We saw that in Ephesus. And Paul says this phrase, I did not shrink from declaring anything profitable. When you look at this letter, what's cool is there's a few, there's a few things that Paul repeats. And I want to point those out. And one of them is this phrase. And I didn't catch it initially, but I caught it as I studied more. Um, he says this phrase here, and then he's going to say it again. I did not shrink from declaring anything profitable. I did not shrink away. I did not hold back is what he's saying. I did not avoid from telling you anything that was profitable, meaning anything that was for your advantage, I didn't hold it back. I wanted to tell you. And then he says, I was teaching in public and from house to house, meaning this house to house is, is a term that's used for family. And we kind of saw that actually as in the earlier part of this chapter, it 
where Paul is, is with a family in the house and he's teaching them all night and Eutychus falls out of the, out of the window. It's this family gathering and, and Paul uses both publicly, I'm, I'm teaching, I'm declaring you the truth, both publicly and together as family. Testifying, to warn or declare. We're going to see this word multiple times. If there's a key word in this, in this speech that Paul is going to share, it's this word testifying because he uses it multiple times. So here he says testifying, a warning or declaring both to the Jews and to the Greeks. That word is for the Gentiles. What, what was the testifying? What was the warning? What was the declaring to both the Jews and to the Greek of the repentance? The repentance towards God, meaning the change of one's way. We've often talked about repentance where you're going this direction and you turn from it. In the opposite, it's the change of one's way. So as Paul speaks to these people, both Jews and Greeks, both publicly and in homes from house to house, what is he proclaiming? What is he testifying? What is he telling them? What is he warning them? Listen, you have to change your way. You must what? Place your confidence or your trust in the Lord Jesus. That's what he says there in that verse. Testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith or confidence and trust in our Lord Jesus. And then he gets to verse 22. And he uses this word and he's going to use it a couple times as well. And now. So he's talking in the past. Hey, this is what I did. And now I'm constrained. I'm bound. He's tied up. He's tied up by what? The spirit. He's bound by the spirit to go to Jerusalem. And he says, not knowing what will happen. Ultimately, he's saying, I don't know what I'm going to meet up with as I go. But this I know, I know that the Spirit of God, he says, except that the Holy Spirit, and here's that word again that we just looked at, testifies the Holy Spirit has warned or declared to me in every city imprisonment and afflictions await me. That's what makes it so critical as we saw the one time where Paul isn't, isn't imprisoned and isn't enchained. Where the Spirit of God comes to Paul and says, don't worry, you're going to be all right. While all the other times the Spirit of God has said to Paul and has declared, has warned him, listen, there is bonds, there are chains awaiting for you, there is suffering, there's persecution, there's troubles. Then he says in verse 24, this great word, but. But, even though all that's happened, but I do not account my life as of any value. Even though I've had to go through these persecutions, these troubles, even though I'm constrained by the Spirit of God to go to Jerusalem, I do not perform, ultimately that's that term there, I do not account of my life, I do not perform, I'm not living my life in such a way that has of any value. This term value surprised me. 
because this is the term logos that's used here, which logos is, is used as the word, right? John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, in the beginning was the logos, and the word was with God, and the word was God, logos, that same term. Paul says here, I do not account my life of any logos. So what is that? I think it means message. That as people viewed him, he didn't think that he was of anything great. But what was great is what he's going to share about. It's the message. It's what he's testifying of. Okay? Um, he's not, he says, not as precious to myself. All right? It's not a gem. That word precious. All right? Valuable. But only if, in order to finish the course... So to accomplish it, the task, the race, we see this that Paul uses in lots of his letters uh, where he says in Colossians 2.2 and where we see 1 Corinthians 9.24 and 26, we read it in Philippians 2.16 and 2 Timothy 4.7 where Paul uses these same terminology about the task, the course, the race he must finish. And he's telling the, the, these uh, leaders of Ephesus, the church there, he says, listen, I have to be about finishing the course. I do not account my life of any value, but that I may finish what God has impressed upon me. He says, what I received from the Lord Jesus. And it goes back to that gospel account that we saw and we read about in this letter that, that Luke recorded for us. That encounter with the living Jesus on the road to Damascus. He received that calling from the Lord Jesus. And so in verse 24, it says, I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to what? There's that word again, to testify. Right To testify to what? To warn or to declare the gospel of the grace of God. This is what Paul's message was all about and why he must continue in what his course was and how he wants to finish. He must testify. He must declare of the goodness of the favor of God. That's what grace is. It's the favor of God that's been shown to us. The good news, the gospel message, Paul testified, warning them of repentance. And not just of repentance, repentance, repentance of turning from your wicked ways that is opposed to God and turning to him through the Lord Jesus Christ because God's favor has been shown to you. In a way, it kind of makes us scratch our head, at least for me, Paul's reminding them in some ways of the elementary things of why he came to them. These were the religious leaders, the, the, the leaders of the church that Paul had been working with for multiple years. And yet he's reminding them of his call and the purpose of why he was with them. He brings them back to that. It reminds me of his letter to the church in Corinth. When he reminds them ultimately of what salvation is centered all around. The fact that Christ died 
He was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Sometimes we need to be reminded of the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 25, we see this phrase again. Just like we saw it in verse 22, we see this word, and now. And now, behold, I know that none of you, none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Um, Luke's going to record for us of this is the phrase that sticks with them the most. This is the phrase out of their, his whole speech that has a huge impact upon them. Because of this, all right, that's the word therefore, verse 26. All right, he says, since I'm not going to, I will no longer see you face to face, since I'm not going to be with you, therefore, what's it there for? Because of what he just said, because I'm not going to be there with you, he wants to say this. Out of all the things that he could say, what does he say? Therefore, I testify, there's that word again, I'm declaring to you, I'm proclaiming, I'm warning you that this day I am innocent of the blood of all. Actually, you know what? We've seen this used before. We've seen this same phrase used back in chapter 18, verse 6, when Paul was in Macedonia. And when he's in Macedonia, um, the, the religious leaders are, are, are rejecting the gospel message. And so Paul says, your blood is on your own hands. And what it is, is a reference back to Ezekiel 33, verse 6. In Ezekiel 33, what the prophet is sharing there is that there is a, a watchman. And the watchman's responsibility is to sound the horn. He's watching over the land. And when the enemy comes, he blows the horn so that everybody can prepare and be ready for war and be ready to win the battle. What Paul is saying is, listen, your blood is not upon me because I've sounded the trumpet. I'm the watchman who has given you warning of what is to come. And some are not listening. He said, I do not shrink the same phrase that we just saw earlier up in verse 20. He says it again. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel or the whole plan, the whole purpose of God, the whole intention of God. Paul laid it all out for him. Not only how they could have a relationship with God and that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, but that ultimately there was judgment and that there was a change of way that needed to happen as they were to follow Jesus. Now Paul is going to go in verse 28 and he's going to prepare them for what is to come. Just like the watchman in Ezekiel, Paul is sounding the trumpet for them. He says, pay careful attention. Be alert. Continue to give yourself is what he's saying. Pay attention to yourself and to who? 
all the flock. Interesting term there, right? We know what flock is. Flock is a group of animals. And in this instance, it's a group of sheep. All right. And so pay careful attention. There's a warning here in which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. This term means guardian. The Spirit of God has elected and has moved in you to make you a guardian. To care for the church of God. This word care means shepherd. It's where we get our word pastor from. And so the leaders of the church of Ephesus have been given clear direction. What? To pay attention. To give themselves to the flock. It's this picture that is laid before us of, of here's the people uh, that are in the church of Ephesus and they're sheep. And it's your job, Paul is saying, it's your job because the spirit of God has elected you, has made you guardians, you are to pastor them. You are to shepherd them. To shepherd who? The church, ecclesia. This is the living organism where Jesus says to Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against. What about this church? Paul reminds them that it's not because of what they have done. It's because of what? It's because of the blood of God. He says in verse 28, Be careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you the overseers or guardians to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. It reminds us, and it takes us to the book of Hebrews, where we can see that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. It's not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by the precious blood of God's Son, Jesus Christ, that righteousness has and can be obtained. In verse 29, I know that after my departure... Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So Paul says, listen, I'm going away. When I go away, there is going to be cruel, burdensome, heavy-laden wolves. Wolves who are going to come in amongst you. And they are not going to spare the flock. And so he says, some of them. Verse 30, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. So he gives an example. He says, okay, these fierce wolves, what they're going to do is they're going to make the gospel message burdensome. All right? It's, it's a key that we can kind of see there, fierce wolves. That word fierce is cruel and heavy, burdensome. And so they're going to change the gospel message. And Paul says, even amongst you, there are going to be some who are going to do this. And what are they going to do? He says, I know that after my departure, there's going to be some of you who will arise speaking, twisted, misleading, causing others to turn away. This term ultimately means perverted, twisted things. Paul gives the same warning in his letter to Thessalonians. 
to the church in Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 through 7. And in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Paul knows he has had insight into what is coming. And the fact that others are going to draw away the flock. He's, they're going to lure away the followers. The disciples there are the followers. That's not the 12 disciples. That's those who have become disciples. Those who have become followers of Jesus. Who are they leading away? They're not leading away the world. There are some wolves who have gotten into the pen who some of you are, he says, and you're going to say perverted things that are going to lead people away. Heavy things. You're going to add to the gospel things that aren't intended. Verse 31. Another key word. What does he say? Therefore. Because what I just told you, what does he say? Be alert. Be vigilant. Stay awake. Remembering that for three years, I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears, to warn, to instruct you, to give you guidance. In verse 32, he says, now, that term that we've seen two other times, he says again, now I set before you, I commend you. I set before you to, I set you before God. And to the message of his favor or to the word of his grace, which is able to do what? To strengthen you, to build you up and to give you a possession, an inheritance among all those who are sanctified or all those who are made holy. He says, I'm committing you to God. And you have what you need. We read that in Paul's other epistles, his other letters, where he reminds the church, God has already given you everything that you need to be holy, to be sanctified, to be set apart. And then he goes on and he says this, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. There are some, even to this day, who think that there are those who are proclaiming the gospel message for their own personal gain. We may know of some people, or we may think that there are some like that, and there probably are. Paul says, listen, what I did... I didn't do it for your silver, for your gold, for your clothing, your apparel to look good. I didn't do that. I came serving with my own hands to provide not only for me, but for those around me that I may minister to them. And he uses this, this phrase that Jesus used, and he talked about it. Jesus preached this in the Beatitudes and I'm sure they covered this as Paul was sharing about the Christ and how to follow him. He reminds them once again, do you remember? Is it not better to give than to receive? And ultimately, Paul is saying, look at my life. Look at how I've lived. 
I worked hard in this way. In verse 35, he says, so that we may help the weak and so that we may also remember the words of who? I love the word that he uses there, the two words, the Lord Jesus. Lord being the one in control of all. He is Lord of all. And Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. How even he himself. So if the Lord of all says it, shouldn't we? Is what he's saying. He says this, in all things, verse 35, I have shown you, I have demonstrated to you that by working hard, toiling, sometimes we don't like to work hard, do we? We want the easy way. In this way, we must help the weak, or the term there is sick. As we look at this passage, just a couple questions. I think that Paul sums this up in, in two words, I would say, for us today. He's reminding them that they have a duty. He also is reminding them and telling them, forewarning them, that there is danger ahead. And so I ask you today, what have you been taught? What do you know about the word of God? Or as Luke uses over and over again, what do you know about the way? Paul uses that term over and over again, the word testifying. What are you testifying of? What are you declaring what are you warning people of? How is your life and your words sharing what you have heard, what you've been taught? And then that phrase that Paul says twice, shrinking away from declaring. I think if we were honest, we would all admit that there are times that maybe we shrink away from declaring what the truth is. Now is the time more than ever that the church of Christ, the true church of the living God, that we not shrink away from declaring what the truth of God's word has taught us and shown us. It goes back to what I shared several weeks ago, that this is the authority which by we live. Don't shrink away from declaring it. Also remember that there are some fierce wolves who are twisting things. But remember there is the good shepherd. We know who the good shepherd is. His name is Jesus. And he cares for his sheep. And you know what? When he calls for his sheep, his sheep hear his voice. And they follow him. We have a great shepherd who does promise to protect us, even amongst the fierce wolves. But don't be, don't fall asleep. Don't be caught off guard. Listen to the shepherd. If you were there, 
as a leader of the church of Ephesus, and you were walking away from this special time with Paul, what would you take? We see that at the close of this, they kneel, Paul prays over them, and there is much sorrow. I wondered what that travel trip back to their church was like. As they traveled back to the people, their flock in Ephesus, which they were going to care for, did they feel like they were going to be all alone? Were they regurgitating what Paul had spoken to them? What he had testified? What do you take away as you hear this today? Vince is going to come, and as he comes and plays, at the close of each of our services, Vince has played to give us time to reflect, to give us time to meditate, to think about the word that we've just heard from the Lord. And so I ask you today to think about this. What do you take away from today? You've heard the word declared. It's been testified to you. What are you shrinking away from? What do you need to work hard for? What do you need to be reminded of? Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your patience with us. And we're thankful that you love us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross to cover all of our sin. Lord, we are prone to wonder prone to go our own way. And that is why we desperately need an ongoing relationship with you. Because we can't live this life on our own. We need you. Lord, as we sit here and we ponder your word, I pray that your spirit would make it clear in our hearts and in our minds what you're doing in our midst. And then may we respond obediently. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.